Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the County Corner podcast. On this week's episode, Stephen and I talk about all the Ross County news from the past seven days. We look ahead to our next match against Livingston. We'll also have a very special guest on the podcast with an eagerly awaited interview, which we've had on the back burner for a little while, so stay tuned for that. And we'll also ask a very important question at the end of the podcast. What's your funniest Ross County memory? So, let's get straight into it. Right, this week we've got Stephen back on the podcast once again. Stephen, at this rate, I'm going to be charging you rent because it feels like you're, you're kind of the most regular person on here, isn't it? I'd say I've got a season ticket for the podcast now, Ross. You're not getting rid of me that easy, mate. It's value for money, that is. That's great value for money. Um, and don't worry, Scottish referees, as is the international break, you've all had a break from potentially appearing on referees' corner this week. So, yeah, you know. That's all, always always good signs for them as well. So um, so I just thought we'll go through the news from the past seven days first. Um, usually we'd start off with a, a match review, but as we've done that in the, the previous episodes, uh, we'll just jump into some of the news first. Uh, so we, I, I briefly touched on this when I was editing the last episode of the podcast, but thought it's probably best to chat about it a little bit more just because uh, it came out, came out of the blue as such. It was a bit of a surprise uh, bit of news that... Jordan Tilson has made the move to Dundee United on loan for the rest of the season. I guess, Stephen, what did you think when you heard the news? And what did you make of the move for Tilly? I guess when the, when the news broke on, on Thursday morning, it's it was certainly a surprise. But I think reading some of the Dundee United fans' comments, I think they're having a bit of an injury crisis in the middle of the park just now. And Tilly went straight into their starting eleven, and played the full 90 minutes on Saturday against Dunfermline so I guess it's just they're looking to to reinforce that that area of the park and in terms of you know the the minutes that Jordan will get there in, in the championship you know he should do he should do pretty well yeah I think it was one of those ones you said it came a wee bit out of the blue not because these things can't happen but you're so used to sort of the build-up to the transfer window and you think right the window slams shut okay well that's that's the business done and Obviously, you can still do these what they call loans, isn't it? For an, I think another month. Yeah, I think it's, it is. Some, yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, there's been dialogue between the clubs on that one. Obviously, Dundee United needed a, a player in, in that position, and as you said, with an injury crisis, we're looking at it and going well. You know, we're going to have a few players back soon as well, potentially from injury. I imagine Allardyce will probably be there thereabouts, but other players coming in, and you're looking at the depth of the squad, and will. Till he even make the bench, do you know what I mean? And at his age, he's got a year left in his contract, if I'm right. Yep. So the club are looking at, and he's in, he's 30 now in that, and I suppose he's probably looking at himself and thinking, okay, well, you know, he's probably confident in his own ability to compete. But if you're looking at, if you're signing boys like Allardyce and these lads to come in, he's probably thinking, of, well, the chances are they're going to maybe get first go at anything that comes their way. So he's maybe going to have to be patient. And for a lad that's probably at the stage of his career, he's probably wanting to play games at this point in time. So I think sometimes people think a move can be bad, but sometimes a move can work for both parties. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that if he doesn't have a good spell down there and that, you know, towards the end of the season, if it doesn't work out for some of our signings, that he wouldn't come back and sign an extension. We saw it with Blair Spittle previously, didn't it? He went off to yeah. Partick and then came back and signed an extension. So uh, these sort of deals can work for both parties. I can see the logic behind it on both sides, to be honest. Um, and I think it'll be a good deal for him. It'll get him regular minutes. It'll probably keep the squad happy in the sense at County that he's not sitting there knowing that probably week in, week out, he's lucky to maybe make the bench at this point in time with the depth of the squad. 
Um, I think Malky sort of settled on probably where he's going with it. And also, I can understand from the point of view reducing the age of the squad. Uh, I know he's experienced, but we do also have plenty of experience within the, the squad already in, in relation to Jack Baldwin, Laidlaw, Jordan White, these type of players in amongst it and stuff as well. So I think on this one, I think it'll be, uh, yeah, it, 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 he might still reappear, but I think maybe the, the club are looking at it longer term. They've probably got their targets in and they're going to get first refusal or first goes at you know opportunities when they come up. So unless there's an injury crisis, I think it's probably best for him to go out and loan um, for him, um, but also for County as well, because the last thing you want is a player sitting there not happy, you know, who's who's been a you know played over a hundred games for himself, I think it is. So he's one hundred and eleven, you know, yeah, yeah. So he's been a great servant to us, and I think probably out of respect for it, Malky's probably sat there and gone, looked and said, look, you might not get as much football at this stage in your career at County at the moment. So I think it's only fair for the lad to, to let him go on loan and that and stuff as well. But yeah, it did come out a wee bit out of the blue, but when you sit down and look at it and look at maybe what's ahead of him right now and the players that they're going to give an opportunity to signing, and, and we're pretty strong in that area as well. Bearing in mind, we will have Callaghan coming back at some point. We'll have Ben Baton coming back at some point as well, which is going to add to even more competition in the midfield. So yeah, you, you can understand you can understand how it's how it's come about. I think it raises a very interesting question in terms of where does this potentially leave Adam McKinnon? Because I thought that in terms of these loans that are still available and and to be made over this kind of this month, I thought he would have been the kind of the first one that maybe made a move uh, just to kind of continue his development, maybe make a step up to you know a, a lower end championship side or a higher end League One side, but um, that might still happen. But I think, I I don't know, I just thought that that would have been the, the midfielder that might have just stepped out for the time being just because of the, the arrival of Scott High. So when I saw that it was Tilson making the move, I was quite surprised that just because of the experience that he's had, the, you know, 111 appearances for County, um, joined back in January 2020. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of pros to Tilly and you know exactly what you're getting from him. He's going to give, you know, 110% every Every minute yeah. of every game, you know, cover cover every blade of grass, and you know, um, you can't ask for anything more from him there. And I think it's, I guess, it's just the squad evolving, as as you said there, in terms of you know the the club have brought in this these new midfielders. So even looking back to to last season, with likes of Latouri in this summer with Allardyce and um, Connor Randall stepping into there over the summer as well. That's probably pushed Tilly down the order a little bit as well. It's going to be a move that we didn't kind of expect to to happen there. Um, Kyle Turner. So I guess it's just, you know, um, evolving and adapting the midfield as as this kind of project moves forward. And, you know, it, it's, it's a good move for Tilly. I mean, he'll get yeah. plenty of minutes at, at, at United. You know, they'll be looking to to bounce straight back up to the Premiership the first time of asking with the, the quality that, that they've got in the squad. And, you know, it's it's about having the right characters and the right experience in a dressing room, and yeah. until he will bring that to them. Yeah, no, no, he's a, he's a model pro and a really nice guy. Do you know what I mean really, really nice guy? Um, a lot of time for the lad, and he's one of these guys that will you know get out there in the community and speak to people and that, and he's enjoyed living in the area, which is always great because how often we've we seen players come up for a short spell and then leave. Do you know what I mean? And as much as they enjoy their time, but he's really sort of immersed himself. So that'll be the hard thing for him and his family as well. Do you know what I mean? Having to move 
away from the area and potentially I don't know if his family will still stay in the area and he'll be down there for you know a period of time with the loan. Um, one of the other things you probably have to look at as well is I imagine, and again I have no prior knowledge of this, so again if, I might be wide of the mark, but with him being the age he's at, you know, we're talking about McKinnon and that not going out. I imagine he's one of the higher earners at the club. So if they want to potentially free up some more funds for later on in the next window it's probably going to be easier to have someone like Adam McKinnon there who's probably not making as much as a Jordan Tilson. And it just allows, because obviously I imagine Dundee United, probably the terms of the loan, will potentially pay the majority of his wages, if not all of it. So potentially free up space. Um, and I also maybe think for Adam McKinnon, maybe the club feel it's his chance to be in around the squad as well. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's not a criticism. I'm not just saying it's a, a cost-cutting measure or anything like that, but I think there's probably a couple of things that factor in when these loans do happen. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's as simple as someone knocks in your ass for a player, well, okay, give you this one because we're not using him. There'll be a lot of things going on. So I imagine even if Jordan hadn't gone, he still would have been in, in the, the reckoning. Yeah. He just might not have been used as often because of the size of the squad and the competition we've got now. Um, so it might be McKinnon, they might say to him, look, okay, we're going to give you, you know, just be around the squad for another six, you know, six months. And then maybe in January, if we bring someone else in, you can go out and loan them, you know, get another right. six months experience. But just, it might be just, you know, give him a bit of time to bed in again, still with a full-time club. Gives Malky a chance to see what he's doing. Because we already know what Jordan Tilson can do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think... Obviously, um, there's a lot of stuff that was said at the sort of um, start of the season about the boys who, you know, the young lads who'd been out on loan previously and saying it was a, a big season for them to go and show. And if they're going out on loan, you know, they need to show that they're a step up in these loans. But maybe Adam's already done that a bit with Montrose and that. You know, he had some good reports and that. So maybe yeah, just multi wants to, you know, have a look at him as well and stuff. So maybe a lot of things to factor in. I also, what I said at the time, and I still think this may happen is, we still might pick up a free agent yet. There might be one or two free agents that we're still looking at, potentially, and maybe that's the factoring into it, is we have to create a bit of space in the squad for that to take place. Um, and there's one or two players, as you said previously, Ross, that we'd, we'd shown an interest in and are still not signed to clubs yet. You know, So there could be an opportunity, whether it's now or in the next window, that that may then happen. So I think we're sort of... I think Again, as the club's been really positive within the summer and you know last year and and in the the previous seasons, I think we're starting to really sort of work ahead. Not maybe just six months, but a season ahead or a couple of seasons ahead with signings and that now. And it's maybe just starting to do that preparation already. You know, yeah. so so no, I think um, I think it can be positive for both parties. And um, the worst case scenario out of it for Jordan is that he goes down there, does well. And even if he's not coming back to county, he's put himself on the shop window either to sign an extension at Dundee United or for potentially other clubs to look to sign him as well because he's getting game time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to another member of the squad who's had a slightly different international break is Dylan Smith. So uh, he made his first appearances for Scotland's under-19s over the past week. He made his debut off the bench in the 79th minute uh, in Scotland's 3-0 defeat against Belgium. But the most impressive moment, I think, that we've all noticed as county fans was that in his first start for the under-19s against the Czech Republic, he was named captain, which yeah. is quite quite remarkable. The match finished 2-2, but in terms of the, the moment for, for Dylan, just that moment itself clearly shows that the, the Scotland coaching staff obviously think very highly of him. If yeah. he's gone into that 
group for the first time and has been given the captain's armband in his in his first start. Yeah, I think as well, it's it's great for the lad for his own confidence and, and boost because obviously he's still on the sort of periphery a wee bit at County at the moment. He's still on the bench coming on. Um, but again, it shows progression. It shows what he managed to achieve at the end of last season. And I know there was, as we said, as a young lad, there was one or two ropey moments for him and obviously the, the sending off at Partick. But what he's managed to do is he's managed to sort of navigate that with obviously the support of the 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 county staff around him, but also the Scotland staff who seem to be managing him really well, Julian. Um, and I, I think that'll give him a boost that he's got the armband, do you know what I mean, at that, at that young age. And there's something as well for himself, irrespective of how his career goes, you can always look back on that and I had an opportunity to captain my country. Doesn't get much better than that. I know we're all Ross County fans, but for me, the pinnacle must be representing your country because at that yeah. point, you know you're the best in the, you know, you're in the best 11 on that field at that point in time for your age group. And if you've been asked to be captain, then you're basically saying that you're lead, you're able to lead these individuals, you know, you're re- to lead your country. And I just think it's like someone that gets the flag at the, the opening ceremony of the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. It's up there with that. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, you're the sort of standard bearer. So they obviously see in him as well that he can be, you know, responsible within that role. And I'm sure County and Malky obviously knows all the coaching staff there. But I just think it's it's a it's a recognition and reward for all the hard work. And and that's always ongoing for the lad. Um but I just think it's it's something positive and it's positive for County as well, because how often we felt that um we've been overlooked, whether it's full caps, you know, I, we were having this conversation about, you know, Ross Laidlaw not, you know, appearing in the the Scotland squad, despite them having, you know, the boy Kelly going out and they've gone and, you know, and I, I, you know how can you argue what Steve Clark's doing right now? Do you know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? But from, a, from a, a county fan looking at it, I still can't understand how Laidlaw wouldn't be in that conversation. Maybe he was, do you know what I mean? So you always sometimes feel that when we've had boys, Scottish boys mentality, it's not till they've left county they've got the recognition. So it's just nice to see Dylan get that at, at county. And hopefully that might, springboard a few more then to say look you know the worry for you know is that they're sort of encouraged to leave county to what deems to go to a bigger Scottish club so they can be recognised for international honours well hopefully that's now not the case if we can start seeing that happening more and more yeah definitely I think it's it's been quite an incredible rise for Dylan over the past year and a bit yeah in, in terms of being involved with the first team squad that he it was decided that he wouldn't go out alone he would just stay amongst the group you know, from making his professional debut at Ibrox as well in a competitive match. That's that's a moment that he'll never forget there. Then at the tail end of the season when he was getting the run of games, really impressing everyone. We've spoken about the tough moments as well, but he's learned from it. He's, he's you know, navigated it with the help of yeah. you know, the people around him, whether it be family, staff at County, everything like that. So, you know, in terms of the, you know, that moment there is just, it, it's phenomenal. And I think, you know, it, it makes... It makes every county fan happy seeing something like that because you know the international recognition one thing was was brilliant to see, but you know to see him captaining the side as as you said yes. there, you know regardless of what age group it's at, whether it's you know senior team under twenty ones, under nineteens, whatever it's going to be, if you're in that moment and you're wearing an armband for your country, you know it's yes. things won't get much better than that for no. for Dylan, you know at at that moment, you know so mm-hmm. um, you know full credit has to to go for, to him for that and you know I, 
it's a it's a great moment for him. It's a great moment for his family as well to see that. But I guess it's also a great moment for the club as well to see that yeah. you know someone that has come through their youth academy, gone through all the stages, and they're they're getting recognition yeah. like that. Yeah, it's um, I suppose it's a, it's a standard stamp of where we are now in developing youngsters and one uh, again the progression count you've made in it. But no, I just think it's really positive. You know, it's it's, it's one of our own. It's one of our own doing that, and I think that's why everyone feels such a pride in it as well. And just you wish the lad all the best. And uh, it wasn't a bad result either. They, they picked that was a two-two, isn't it? They were two-nil down, was it? And then brought it back yes, to two-two. Yeah. So again, you know, you're looking for a strong captain in that game. Well, you, you know, you, you, you could, the chips can be down, but you managed to fight your way back. And again, he's, he's obviously seen that firsthand himself at County last season. You know, with the yeah. the playoffs and everything else. So it's. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a real positive for the club, especially at a time when you know, obviously there isn't much going on as far as the club-wise for the international break. So it was just great to see that spring out of nowhere. And um, yeah, just, you know, I'm sure no one's more prouder than his parents, but a sense of pride within amongst the county fans that one of our own has managed to represent the country as a captain. Yeah, definitely. So just quickly looking ahead to Saturday's visit of Livingston to Dingwall. Uh, Livy have had a good start to the season. They picked up five points from their opening four matches. Uh, a 0-0 draw in the opening weekend of the season against Aberdeen was followed up by a 4-0 defeat at Ibrox. However, that scoreline was very harsh on them. It was only 1-0, I think, until about the 80th minute. And then the, the late goals for Rangers seemed to, to flatter them slightly. They picked up their first win of the season at Easter Road against Hibs, winning 3-2 and taking the three points back to, to Alma Vale. They were set to pick up another three points versus St Mirren before a 95th-minute equaliser from Stav Namani made it 1-1, so they could only take away a point from that. Last season, uh, both sides picked up two wins each. County picked up a 1-0 win down at Almondvale for the first time since 2012, thanks to Nawura Edwards' second-half goal. Livy then responded with a 2-0 win up in Dingwall, thanks to Bruce Anderson double. And then Livy made a back-to-back wins in the next match, thanks to goals from Joel Nubley and Nicky Devlin, earned them a 2-1 win, and Simon Murray grabbed the consolation goal for County. And then County made it two wins each for the season when in the first uh, post-split, spo- can't even speak, post-split fixture, there we go, uh, when Alex Yakovetti and Alex Samuel earned County a 2-0 win. So um, I think... In terms of danger men, we all know about the threat that Joel Nubley will bring to a, a team. You know, he'll cause sides up and down the country, regardless of what standard they're at, problems. You know, he's a, a big target man with fantastic feet and skill. He's he's one of these guys that'll drift out uh, out onto the wing. He almost seems like he's better as a left winger or right winger rather than yeah. an actual centre forward as a target man there, just because of the because of his ability with his feet. So, you know, Stephen, going uh, going into the match, what's your thoughts? On it, do you think uh, we'll we'll carry on the the good start that we've made so far? Yeah, I don't see it being too dissimilar to what we had against Kilmarnock. I think we'll carry a very similar threat like Kilmarnock. They're very sort of direct. Um, they'll be physical. Uh, I'm trying to think as well. Centre half wise, Fitzwater's not there anymore. But He's not, no. the other blood, who's the other centre half as well that plays. So they've got Obelai, they've got... Uh, Obelai, he's one yeah. that's caused us a few uh, headaches in the past as well, yeah. um, just with his, his physical presence. So I noticed they've got the boy Daniel Mackay as well signed for them. So he'll certainly... Yeah. Um, he's been signed on loan from Hibs. So he'll certainly... He's got a, a habit of doing something against us, whether it was for, for 
for Cali or, or, or other teams. So I, I don't envision it being much different to Kilmarnock game. I can see it being a, a bit of a scrap. Um, yeah. In fairness, all the games were like that last season. Um, the one we won one nil down there, it was really just back to the wall and, and yeah. get get the goal out of nothing. The 2-0 win they had in Dingwall, we really shot ourselves the foot in that game. We created chance after chance and just yep. couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo that seemed to be on that one. Uh, the 2-1 down there, they were probably the better team, but again, it was pretty close. And then the 2-0, that was probably the only game you could probably say that we pretty much dominated. But again, they were tough to break down yep. and they, they didn't give much away. So, you know, Martindale, I like as a manager and as a character, I think he's 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 different. Do you know what I mean? And I I, I like him. You know the way, you know he doesn't try and um, how could he promote himself as something he's not. Especially his teams, he's authentic to himself, and his teams yeah. represent what he is and how he is about you know getting the ball forward and making things tough and the work rate and that and stuff. So as a, as a manager, I like them because I just think what you see is what you get with him. And I think that's good because I think that suits Livingston. You you know what's coming. You know what I mean? Um, the bonus for ourselves it's it's been played up north on, on the grass pitch as opposed to the all weather surface, which can can cause us problems. I think we'll we'll win the game. I think it might be two 0 to County. Um, but again, I think it'll be from a couple of set pieces like it was in the other games. It, it always seems to be like that against Livingston. It's never from open play. Um, they're they're very well drilled in that and, and denying your space. I think it will be. I don't think it'll be sexy football. I don't think it'll be a game for the the purest again. But then I, I you know I think it's important in these games, especially at the start of the season, we just keep driving forward and pick up any we can. So I can see it being two 0 to County, and I think it'll be from set piece situations that will will maybe get the advantage on them. Um, I don't I don't think again I wouldn't be say that they would come to Dingwall and be negative because they've got the boy Bruce Anderson and all that there and stuff as well. And, you know, yeah. they, they can play, but I, I think we'll force the game more than they'll force it on us. They'll, they'll when they get the opportunity, break more than anything. Um, but no, looking forward to it. And they're, they're always, you know, tough games, but they're always close games as well. So, um, no, I, I'm looking forward. But I don't envision us changing too much. I still think we might go with what we've done previously with the, the set of three five two formation with the the width coming from the fullbacks. So I wouldn't be surprised if the the starting lineup we had at Kilmarnock is probably the starting lineup that we might go with against Livy unless there's any injuries to to impact us during that time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, even just looking at the the last couple of formations, so in their win against Hibs at Easter Road and then the one one draw against the and they seem to have gone for a a kind of a three four two one or a, a kind of a three five two. Uh so as you mentioned there, the three five two that we went down to rugby park with and picked up the three points, that helped yeah. nullify them. So I, I agree. I don't think we'll we'll see potentially Yeah, I, I can there. see us just matching up. It's the type of yeah. team where I just think if you try and we've seen it before where you try and open up and play football against them, it'll probably suit them for us to try and do that. I think if yeah. we can make it as hard as we can for them, and I know people might think oh the home side should we try and play a bit more football and be a bit more expansive but I just think in this one again it's horses for courses in this game I just think there's certain teams I think we would play against probably more the the sort of mid, mid table to, to the bigger teams where we probably will actually play a bit more football because yeah. they will do that themselves and it will create space but I think in this one I can just see it being a bit like Kilmarnock 
matching up, trying to win your battles, and then working off a set piece if we need to, like, do you know? Yeah, and I think you mentioned about working off set pieces, the quality of delivery into the box. That's how we scored the two goals against them in the post-split fixtures. It was two dander deliveries into the box uh, either yeah. side of half time, and two different kinds of deliveries as well, which is positive <laughs> to see too. So, um, yeah, in those kind of matches, those moments of quality, as we know, can can be the difference maker. So, fingers yeah. crossed it goes there. So, you've predicted 2-0. I will go for... I'll go for a 3-1. I seem to yeah. 3-1 seems to be my go-to but I'll eventually get right <laughs> after getting the Dundee United prediction and the, the split games right last season I'm just sticking to it we'll have another 3-1 eventually but um, yeah I, I think I, I think they've obviously they carry a threat going forward as well yeah. as you mentioned there Nubli uh, Bruce Anderson you know they've got other players that can hurt you as well like Stephen Bradley uh, yeah. Stephen Kelly as well who yeah. spent time up here has developed into a really good player so they've definitely got good players going forward but um, in terms of the quality that we've got going forward, I would like to say that on paper it, it should be stronger and we've got those yeah. X-factor players such as Danda in positions yeah. where we need them. So, so yeah. Um, and I have a sneaking suspicion, I might be wrong here, but I have a sneaking suspicion that Henderson might come on and do something in this game. I just feel a player that we maybe need to unlock Livingston a wee bit with a set piece or a cross... Uh, as well as Danda, obviously we know what we're going to get with Danda and that and stuff. But I just have a feeling, for some reason, I just feel it could be set up nicely for Henderson to come in and just, you know, he's got that wee bit of trickery that we might just need to unlock a really sort of tight, packed midfield and that and stuff. And I just feeling that at some point in the game he might come on and just um, that might be the difference between the one nil to two nil because I can see us getting a goal with, as you said done the set piece into the box or, or, or a free kick or something along those lines. But then I, I always feel 1-0 Livingston's always a dangerous scoreline with them. It, it always it's so tight. And we've seen yeah. it down there previously in the first year of Malky were winning 1-0 to an absolute uh, Cancola Thunderbolt. And then yeah. they just they managed to get in something in the last seconds. They will they will go for it. You know, we've seen quite a few sort of tight games in that respect. But I just have a feeling Henderson, you know, he's, he's not featured heavily at the moment yet. But I just feel in that game could be set up for him to come in and just do some, a wee bit of trickery, a wee bit of magic on the wing there and just do something different. Speaking of wingers who could come up with a bit of magic and do something different, both Ross County and Livingston have had that in recent years with this player who is our special guest slash interview on the podcast this week. It's been an interview that we've been holding on to since the tail end of last season. And it was the first of our Legends Corner series. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's Josh Mullen. Josh, how's it going? Yeah, thanks very much for having me. All good. Delighted to be on for, um, for a chat. Uh, also, I heard that word legend. I'm not sure about that, but uh, thanks for having me on. No, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say you certainly were, especially just those those two years in the first year, especially just in the in the championship. You know, you scored a lot of goals that season. You know, you were part of a team that won promotion back up to the Premiership and Challenge Cup double as well as the you know the man of the match performance in that cup final as well I think you're well suited to that um, tag so um, we'll just kick it off so you know in your youth career you kind of spent time at Rangers, Celtic, Falkirk, Airdrie Onions, Coburnie, Laidside and East Stirlingshire so that's quite a a mixture of kind of places and also different environments to develop as a as a young player so talk about so just talk us through your experiences of that you know the 
the differences, I guess, in the academies and also the different demands that were maybe put on you as a young player, you know, from the high end, the elite academies such as Rangers at Celtic to maybe more of the kind of the junior sides, you know, the differences in them, I suppose. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you touched on it. It's quite, um, it's quite different, eh? Like when you look at the, the kind of backgrounds that like you touched on, Celtic Rangers, and then you've got kind of Coburn, the laid side in there, a junior team. So I think for me, the big thing was like when I was younger, I, I loved playing football. I was obsessed with it. Um, I played with Park Villa, uh, boys club, played with all my mates and absolutely loved it. And then the time came for that kind of age group to, to kind of disappear and that's when I'd, I'd uh, moved on to Rangers at the time and I remember being absolutely buzzing but always knew being in about the youth setups like I never had the same enjoyment or it just it never felt the same um, so I just applauded on for a few years and it just got to one point I was like look this isn't what I kind of remember football was being and that's not saying <clears throat> that academies aren't for everybody but it just it never suited me at the time um, I made the decision to kind of stop playing for a while, went and done an apprenticeship um, and then one of my cousins got the job at Coburnley um, with his mate and he came and he's like, look, come, come um, and I was like, mm, not sure because like I say, I just, I wasn't really in it at the time um, and then I went back and, and played, that was obviously juniors, um, I was in a, a great environment, uh, a lot of boys that had played kind of top level football You've got guys like Kevin McDonald that came from Motherwell, who played in Europe, Dave McEwan, played with Hearts. And that gave me a taste of it again. I just, I got that feeling back. Um, played there for a season and then moved on to Albion Rovers from there. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess, how did you find that experience of stepping into first-team football as a young player, especially in the juniors, you know, as a you know young player, you know, playing alongside these guys who have had, you know, good solid careers in the Scottish top flight or, you know, around Scottish football? I think, to be honest, I always kind of backed myself and backed my ability. I was still kind of involved in football, but not, like you say, not in the youth academy setups, etc. Um, so I always backed myself. It's weird because when in there, I felt like, I don't know if it's maybe just because my cousin, he's one of the ones that had the job, but... Honestly, I felt brilliant. Um, I, one of my mates, actually, from from Pollock, he signed with me, Chris Malone, who was obviously at Livingston and stuff. Um, so I was in with all these boys. absolutely loved it. And then I just basically get chucked in. It's even like now, if I speak to young boys and they're not going to play, and the best advice I could give any young player is to go out and, and play men's football. And that's exactly what junior football is. And, and it benefited me massively. Do you think... Um you know, obviously that experience as a young player has had an impact on your career, you know, at a later date. But do you think your, I don't know, your potential play <coughs> style would have been slightly different if you had stayed at these, you know, top level academies compared to, you know, going into the juniors and playing football at a young age? Possibly. Um, because I think, <laughs> no, I'd be harsh, but... Also, juniors, like say, I'm, I'm playing with I'm playing with men. Um, you need to learn pretty quick, eh? And like say, these guys are all older than me, so there's maybe some things that I thought was the right thing, and then they're passing on information to me. And I would never question it, but it was kind of like now as I got older, everything that was said to me, like I totally understand why they were saying it. Um, whereas that can maybe be a bit difficult if it's maybe coming from one or two coaches and everybody's the same age, so. I think it was just good that the, I was lucky enough to go into a, a really experienced group 
Um, so it was maybe kind of five, six, seven, eight different voices coming, and it's it's. I don't mean I would never question anybody anyway that was telling me something. I'd always listen, but I think when you get that many people kind of telling you or speaking you through a game or you know, when you kind of take it on board, then like I say, I keep saying it benefited me massively, but I honestly think it did. You touched on just a wee bit earlier about your move to Albion Rovers. Um, was that kind of an easy decision to make? You know, obviously speaking about the, the environment you had there there at Kilburnie, um, to make the step up into League Two, into the kind of professional leagues. Was that an easy decision or was it kind of one that you were thinking, you know, I've got a good environment here, I'm developing. Maybe is it too early or was it, you know, just let's let's challenge myself and go up a league? Uh, no, I think I was desperate for it to happen, to be honest. Um, like I say, I'd, I'd got that bug back instantly. Like, I knew I had... Not wasted, I'd never say that because I look back now and think it's the best thing I've ever done. So I was kind of saying to myself, like, the years, it was a bit frustrating and I was desperate to go and the fact that um, Albion was so willing to pay money for me, um, obviously it's, it's no much, but they were willing to do that, so I was desperate to get it done. I remember going and the boys lined me up because they played Rangers at the time in the Cup um, and I actually went to Ibrooks to watch the game. Um, Branco, who I'm, I still speak to now, um, he's like, look, come along, uh, experience it, blah, blah. So after going to that, I was like, nah, I was, I was desperate to go. Um, you enjoyed success at Albion Rovers. You finished first in the league and gaining promotion to League One during your first season. Um, I guess, how did that feel to achieve that piece of success in your career? But also, you know, you said there that they were willing to pay a transfer fee for you, you know, make the commitment and, you know, as a League Two club, you know, to put that, you know, trust in you to help repay them with an achievement like that? Yeah, it, it was massive. I think um, that season, I, I remember I panicked right at the start because it was James Ward and, and Branco that took me in. Okay. And I remember they left in the summer and then Darren Young came in. And I remember thinking like, oh no, like he's not going to want me. But I'd signed, but you're still thinking. So... I remember when Dan phoned me, who I'm still great mates with now, like speaking to him the other day, obviously he's just won, won it again with, with Sterling Albion. So um, I was kind of panicking at the start and in and, and Dan was was excellent with it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I remember that first season, actually, like if you if you were to check, I, I probably played about 10 games at left back. Um, I played left back, right back, left mid, right mid. And then the last game of the season, I think I played centre mid. So I think I played nearly everywhere that season, eh? Um it was it was brilliant to be back in and then like you said, we were challenging um at the top end of the table and, and we won it. So um I, I was delighted to do that. I was doing my research on it and on Transfermarkt, I actually said you played one game at centre half as well. I, I mean I noticed the uh-huh. the left backs and right backs and I was thinking at centre half, I was like, is that a mistake? But was it I can't remember who I can't remember who it was against now. It might have been against Berwick. Um and don't ask me how I ended up at centre half. Um but it happened anyway. But honestly I always I always show boys pictures, they don't believe me. Like um I was number three because obviously at that time um it was just numbers, it was yeah, yeah. didn't even specific number of that. So I always remember um I keep it in my phone three and I was like, look, I've won a league playing left back, like just to wind it obviously. But uh uh-huh. That was a season, I think. Again, it probably put me in good stead for um, for going on to kind of where I went now. Yeah, um, you know, the following season you spent six months 
at Rovers and then in January made a deadline day to move to Livingston who were in the championship at the time so again it was another step up you know um tell us about how the move came about and was it interest that you knew long before the deadline day and you know we spoke to Alex Samuel last week about his deadline day move up to county and you know all the you know the the rush to make sure it gets done and almost the you know, the anxiety of it kind of comes down to the last minute or the last day and you're not sure, you know, if you're going to get this move, you know, if you've missed a chance to, to you know, play at a higher level and things like that. No, massively. I think um, it, there was definitely interest before. It was between Hamilton and Livingston, but Hamilton were in the Premier League at the time. Um, so obviously I was only part-time. I was still working um, and I, I knew about this uh, for, for quite some time, but everything was done Gretley Livingston contacting Albion and stuff like that. So I remember um, a bid had went in on the the first day of the transfer window and I was like, I think Albion Rovers were going to peer ahead at the weekend and I was thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to peer ahead at the weekend. Like, There's no way that Albion Rovers are going to turn down money um, to kind of let me go. So I remember it got rejected and I was like, what's going on here? And it just, to be fair, that was the first day of the window and like you touched on, it got done on the last couple of hours of the window. So I remember uh, the the last day of the window, I took it off work and I sat in Starbucks in Silverburn for the full day. And I was just looking at my phone, drinking coffee, and I was like, nah, this can't be right. And it got to the stage where I actually phoned Dan Young myself. And I was like, look, I'm desperate to go. And kind of, I was begging him basically. And maybe it was hard because me and Dan, although he was my gaffer, like we were really good mates. And, I think he always knew it was always going to happen. They were obviously just trying to get as much money as, as they possibly could. Um, but again, like you said, me kind of not knowing if I was going to get that chance or, or what was going to happen, I was kind of starting to freak out a bit. So I'd kind of accepted, I think, by five o'clock that it wasn't going to happen. Um, and I remember going up the road and I was just sitting there and I was, I honestly, I was absolutely gutted. And then I got a phone call. I mean, it must have been about eight o'clock and it's like, right, get in your car and, and meet me here it looks like it's going to happen and then Dan Young phoned me and he's like look it was always going to happen like the club was trying to get money and I was like because you know you just told me that as a mate I was like you know sitting in Starbucks crying today um, so uh, I just think like I was like I said I had the bug, the bug back and I loved every minute Albion Rovers there was I wasn't the one to move in terms of I never went looking for a move of that but once it came about like say I was obviously just wanted to kind of won't progress again. Um, Livingston were in the championship, so I was desperate to go. And I think, you know, you, you said there, progress. You know, you'd spent a season in League Two, you'd spent six months in League One, and Livingston were in the championship. So again, it's another step up. But not even just that, it was also the step up to professional football as well, coming from part-time football. Um, you know, th that's perhaps a move that we don't hear about very often. You know, I think... Um, yeah. I guess it's 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 one that potentially could change players' lives, you know, because if they can make it a professional club, that's when other professional clubs start start to look at them and things like that. You spoke about, you know, you've done an apprenticeship and, you know, I guess what were the jobs that you were doing while you were part-time at, at Albion Rovers? Uh -huh. So I was actually doing scaffolding. Um, I was a self-employed scaffolder um, working with my, my mate. So um, I remember that, that film one fight like say when the bids were going in and getting rejected and I said it wasn't crazy amounts of money like it was just obviously but I'm still thinking like oh it's money like they'll never reject it so 
it was winter, obviously January, and I'm standing on a building site and it was snowing and um, I was absolutely desperate to get it done. But I think, like you said, it just going back full-time into that full-time environment just opened up so many doors in terms of obviously like ended up coming to county and then there's been other things from that so uh, I'm very grateful to, to Livingston and David Martindale for um, at that time because like I said obviously I still had six months left in my contract but they were they were keen to get it done um, in the January window and thankfully it did. How did you find the change from part-time to full-time <clears> football? Was it, a, was it like a not a shock to the system as such, because he'd obviously kind of experienced it before, perhaps in the kind of the youth academies and things. But you know, I guess uh, at a kind of professional level, a first team level. I think I couldn't have. I probably couldn't have went into a more professional setup in terms of Livingston because Livingston, your double sessions nearly every day, and and I don't mean that in a bad way in saying clubs aren't doing right. Uh, like it's it's a very tough in, environment and you need to obviously you need to manage your body as best you can but Livingston is like they they are very professional in, in everything they do so in terms of that like teaching me kind of young and, and early kind of the basics and, and stuff like that it was hard but I think that's that's been one of my key attributes is is my fitness even when I was part-time like you say and you were asking about jobs and I still kind of went out on a, a Wednesday night and done running and stuff um, my mates obviously used to slag me for it and that was it. I took the. I also took all the kind of um, the jokes and that that came with it. But listen, it stood me. It stood me in good in good stead. So I think that was one of my key attributes was my was my fitness, and um, it, it only took me maybe say a couple of weeks to get up to speed. Whereas maybe if I wasn't doing these things, it would take me a bit longer. So uh-huh. I get you. No, um, first six months at Livingston it kind of ended in a disappointment with relegation from the championship. Um, you know, it's often said that you learn more from your failures than your successes. I guess in your, that was your first experience in an environment like that and an experience like that. So how did it feel at the time? And I guess what lessons have you taken away from that? I had, like I said, I touched on it at the start. We talked about when I said about Dan Young kind of getting the job and I was under contract, but it was still panicking. Like I just, I remember at the time and someone always remember the day I was in the car and uh, I was with my mum and I was just silent and she also knew there was something up and I was absolutely devastated today because I'm thinking that Hamilton were in for me as well um, and I'm thinking I've chosen Livingston to go and play in the championship I've not played as much as I wanted now I'm back at League One and is Livingston going to stay full time? Like, even though I was under contract, I was like, what happens to me? Because, like, I never played as much as I'd wanted to, but I started, as soon as I went in, I started playing and we were picking up points, but it was more when it got to the end of the season, the nitty gritty, and I probably wasn't cut out for that at the time, so I really never played as much as I'd wanted to. Um, and then, Start like I said, started when I played played towards the end of the season. We'd also played Rangers and stuff. Um, we'd beat them, so I got back in the team for the last game of the season. That was against Ray Rovers the last game. Played right back that game. Um, and then it was the playoff games after against St. Ran. I'd I'd started um I'd started that game, but it never went well that night. Um, not for me, just in terms of the team. Um it was a pretty poor result and, and then after that we were relegated so everything was going through my mind that I'd made the right decision like and I, didn't, I don't mean I started doubting myself but a wee bit of obviously all the kind of 
things that I'd fought in the youth academy, like what's going on here and if I'd done the right thing, etc. and started to creep in, like it was a it was a horrible time to be honest to her. Well, I think uh, it's almost the perfect example of taking one step back to take two steps forward because I guess if that relegation hadn't come about, you know, obviously the following season you bounced straight back up to the championship by winning the league. So first talk to us about the the change in a mentality in a squad. You know, you've you've been relegated the previous season, you know, come into pre-season, go through the summer. And I guess the almost the flick of a switch to go from that low to then going through the following season and finishing it on such a high. And, you know, kind of what were the factors in that? Were there any kind of key points that you thought, you know, thinking back on it now, that that was the that was a difference there or that was a change there that kind of needed to be made? I think um I think if I look back now, like I said it was a it was a it was a tough time, but I remember we had meetings obviously with Davey and I remember after my meeting and David made it clear like I was his player, I was going to be there. Um, I remember he gave me the number seven jersey because I'd signed and I was number 35. So just wee things like that. I remember leaving the meeting like confidently, like, buzzing again, like made the right decision. And I would kind of say to myself, like, maybe it's not the worst thing. Like I'm still full time. I'm going to be in League One. I knew we had a chance of winning it, but I think the recruitment um, from David was absolutely spot on. Like, from day one, the boys in the changing room, like touch on like Shawnee Byrne, um, boys like that coming in. Uh, obviously, Decky Gallagher ended up back to Calcutt. Uh, there was loads there, just such a such a great changing room. Mikey Muller, Liam Kelly, Jackson Longridge, like that was. I think that was a changing point. There was a lot of boys that had left, um, and the boys that came in, it was just everybody was right together. And, um, uh, there was a real positive. It was a real positive kind of mindset getting into the season. Um, and I think everything just kind of went for us that year. But like I touched on when I said, probably couldn't win it in a more professional environment, even though we were still League One. Like everything done at Livingston's by the book every day. And that's exactly what everybody bought into it. Um, and that was, that was a real factor for it. And that positive mindset and momentum then carried into then the following season when it turned out to be just as successful when you gained promotion to the Premiership this time via the playoffs and Livy fans remember very fondly obviously the first leg of the semi-final against Dundee United where you scored the second and the 3-2 win at Tanadice. The talk Livy guys very politely asked us to mention it in the podcast. Considering what you guys I guess went through the last time you were in the championship to then right the wrong that had, that had occurred there to then not just consolidate yourself in the league above to then push on and gain promotion you know, that must have felt great from where you were six months into your spell at Libby. No, definitely. I think, um, again, we just carried everything on and the recruitment, again, was right. The players that had been brought in to help the current squad that were already there. Um, everybody just kind of seemed to be on the same page, eh? And it was another great year. Like, there was times where we were, like, honestly, like I, I keep saying, like, at Livingston, like the boys work hard. Eh? That's, we were exhausted, but we were doing well, and momentum just gets you gets you through it. And I remember sometimes we used to walk back round from training back to change room, just like laughing, saying like, "Like what's going on here?" But uh, that was that's the way it was. But we knew come a Saturday, like nobody really wanted to come into the Tory Martin and play. As it's horrible, it's horrible as it sounds. Um, even John Rankin, obviously Hamilton manager now, like I'm friends with Ranks and 
he was at Queen of the South and I mind we played him the first five minutes and the ball was just going over his head and he's like, here we go again. And like you knew he had kind of beaten beaten teams before they even came, eh? So um, everything again just kept going for us that year. Everybody bought into what we were trying to do and it was another, like, going to say great season. Like it was an unbelievable season, to be honest. I think that Livy team, you know, I guess maybe even now as well, is known for its hard work. You know, I think the style's developed over the years as well. But, you know, you mentioned John Rankin there. It's the, you already kind of feel you know what you're getting yourself into. And I guess it's psychologically, you could already find yourself beaten perhaps because you know that you're going to turn up at Livingston and they're going to run themselves into the ground. And if you don't match them on that, then first of all, you know, you're not going to get anything off them. Uh And, you know, obviously hard work beats talent if talent fails to work hard. That's Uh one of the best sayings out there. Um, At the end of that season, you decided to leave Livingston, which I guess was maybe a surprise from the outside, considering that you were a big part of that promotion push into the Premiership. So it's a weird one that that championship season, the the first half of the season, that um, I had done really well. I was playing every game and I remember David Hopkin um, always speaking to me and saying, like, look, fantastic, like, you've got every attribute, like, to go, to go again and, and stuff like that. So come January time, there was there was a bit of speculation about me leaving, which was never true. Like, And then, I don't know if it's maybe a wee bit of both. I don't know if Livingston maybe thought I was leaving or it might have just been a dip in form from, from my point. I remember I came out of the team and I was a wee bit, like, surprised. So I was kind of, the second half of the season, I was kind of in and out. And then we got to the playoffs and um, I remember David Hopkin and David Martindale pulled me and the boy Jackson Longridge and they were speaking. They're like, look, we're going with boys that we can trust. And we'd obviously been there together for years. Like said, two years are going to be massive, like tomorrow at Tanadice. Um, and we're just speaking away. I remember we sat for like 15 minutes and came out. And I remember getting into that game the next night at Tanadice thinking like, we can we can we can do this year because done we I think we'd I think we'd beat them three times that season. Okay. Um so we were going into that game thinking that we could really do something. And then also I go and I go and score the equalizer. Um I think Ross County were at that game. Uh then the second game we we it was one each at Livingston and then we played party, we beat them two one, I'd got the assist, and then on the final day, um David kind of came to me and he's like, look. I'm hoping job's done. We're going to go kind of try and see the game out, go stuff in. And that, that was totally fine. So I never played the last game. Um, and I never thought that that would have been my last game for Livingston. Um, but like I said, I'd always had a, a good season myself. Livingston had a great season. Um, the playoffs that the boys touched on, like I still, it's one of my favourite moments in my career. Like nothing, will, I think even if you see me celebrating the goal, you can see that, eh? Like it just felt like a massive relief. Um, and then obviously options became available after that um, and I had a very honest and open conversation with Davy and David Hopkin David Hopkin obviously moved on as well after that so mm-hmm. I think the conversation came and I kind of just felt two and a half years it was it was time to kind of move on and, and try something else and then obviously that's when I decided to move to County <clears throat> And the decision to move to County I guess was that an easy decision? Were there other kind of teams interested at that time? You know, because obviously moving from the Central Belt up to the Highlands is quite a quite a big move. Um, 
a few people that I've spoken to county have, have actually said it's easier to encourage guys perhaps from down south in England up to the Highlands than it is from the central belt to the Highlands because I guess there's the mentality of, oh, well, you know, if we're down in Glasgow, you know, Inverness, Dingwall, it's, it's miles away. So, you know, I guess the distance was that quite a factor to consider in the move as well. And, you know, both on and off the pitch, um, there was obviously a lot of factors on the pitch, the fact that the team had just been relegated. So did the managers approach you, the co-managers at the time, and say, you know, we could use your experience of having gone through a relegated squad to potentially refresh it and go again, as you did with Livingston in that uh, kind of after the first six months and then into your first full season? Yeah, to be honest, I'm not going to lie because I'm on the podcast. Like it was, it was an easy decision for me. Um, you obviously know Andrew Barriman. Um, yeah. So I'd been speaking to him through the playoffs and he was kind of making me aware that Ross County were looking. And again, I'll, I'll say this openly, like I'd never, from working when I was part-time and working, I remember working up in Wick and I passed Inverness and I was looking at Inverness's stadium and I was like, I can see myself playing there one day. Also, end up in the Highlands, and it wasn't Inverness. It was end up. It was Ross County. So it was kind of making me aware um, that they were looking, and then they phoned me the day after the playoffs had ended. After went up, and he's like, "Look, I think they obviously the managers want to speak to you. Don't can I don't sign anything until you have a chat." He's like, "I think you would love it up there. Totally sold the place to me." He's like, "Just go up, see what you think, and then make make your mind up from there." Um, so I remember Stuart, Stuart phoned me and I was on the phone and I was like sounds great and stuff like that so my agent had kind of called him was like look well, obviously Josh will need to come up and see the place and stuff like that so Stuart and Fergie were actually in um, they were actually away on holiday so the day I'd went up I'd met the chairman um, I'd met Roy and I was like a kid eh? like the grass everything was perfect it was cut the sun was shining facilities and everything amazing and it just felt, everything just felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. And I don't mind saying this, like I was a total mum's boy. Yeah? Like my mum done everything for me, like cooked dinners and that. And I was like, it's something that I need to go and do. And it's something that I had changed. It did, it changed my life. It kind of, it's kind of turned me into who I am now. Um, I say that, I don't I could go back and stay with my, my parents. And I mean that in the nicest possible way, but just kind of getting out there and, um, staying myself and stuff and I was just up there away for like all the distractions and stuff like that and obviously I see even still speak to Andrew Barham in the now and it was only the other week I think it was when Ross County beat it would have been Livingston the beat and we were speaking about obviously is this maybe the returning point for Ross County to stay up and I was just saying like we were just talking about how much we loved up there and it's a different way of life but yeah. it's a great way of life so I had like I'm, I'm grateful to the chairman for that day meeting him and I think he could see how excited I was so I think that's why he kind of knew I'd been a good fit for the club as well. Yeah of course um, you mentioned there that you know Stuart and Stephen were co-managers at the time obviously Stuart took the um, team for a while on his own as well when Stephen became the chief executive. Um, how was the you know everyone asked this but how was the relationship between you and the co-managers, you know, was there kind of like a good cop, bad cop situation? Because I guess that would be the first time there is, you know, to experience co-managers, but, you know, in a natural football environment, you've always got your manager, your assistant manager, first team coach, and I guess they bounce off each other potentially a similar way to that the Stuart and Stephen did at that time? I think everybody asks this question, eh? Like, but 
I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. Like it just it just worked for them. Like it honestly worked for them. And I watched Kate's interview on Open Goal a few weeks ago where um with Simon Ferry and yeah. he was asking like how did it work? Like did somebody take control? Like was it this? And and Kate, everything Kate said, like I honestly don't think he was lying. Like we never looked at one and thought Ah, he makes the decisions or it was on it, it was just so natural, eh? Like and I think they just get used to it. Like Ted's made a point in terms of like Fergie would always speak first on a Saturday and he's like, that just happened. He's like, so we just went with it, that was it. And and that's just the way we thought about it. We never thought like, oh Fergie's speaking first and then Ket's is like the gaffer, then he'll speak. So it just happened so naturally. But Ket's was more I'd say Ket's was more the demanding one, but Fergie could lose it as well. And then it was funny seeing Ketch trying to be the good cop. So I, I just think like there's there's no right or wrong answer. The two of them were honestly brilliant. Like and the, like I obviously always speak Highland because they had me playing some of the best football that I've ever played. So uh-huh, grateful to them as well. I will touch on that in a little bit as well. Um, when we spoke to Don Carey on the podcast about you know. Obviously, where when you joined the club, it just been relegated from the Premiership, and I would say, possibly as a county fan, that was the first time that I've ever seen a pressure and an expectation on the club from whether it be fans or potentially you know upstairs that you know the for the club to go on and achieve you know a promotion back up to the league or have a really solid season. Um, you know, we've seen how tough it is for teams that go down into the Championship to bounce straight back up. You know, there is only a handful of instances where that's happened. Was that your first experience, I guess, of playing under pressure, if you felt any? And if it was, you know, how did you find it? Uh, to be honest, I don't think... Again, I go back, I talked about it at Livingston, like the recruitment. I thought the recruitment that year was was excellent. They kept players that they wanted to keep brought in loads of new faces and I remember going to Holland and everybody just like you felt I knew the boys for, for years um, in terms of expectations I think the chairman Roy is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life but he's a businessman and I think you can sense that but you can sense that when you're round about him if that makes sense but he's so nice he'd do anything for you he'd be the the first guy you could pick up the phone to and and kind of ask him for anything you needed, but it just felt like that is is a club, eh? Like that's it's a big club. I say that to everybody, the the fan base and stuff on a on a Saturday, like it's kind of like a town, a community, like everybody empties out. So I think we'd started really well. Um, we'd obviously Dundee United were going to be in the league. We got them in the the cup. We beat them two one, which was a positive going into the start. And I think we followed that up with like a five-one defeat off of Brof. So, um, like I say, when I talk about the chairman being that kind of businessman, like I remember the bus being stopped at Perth Services for about an hour, and I'm I'm positive, like the boys are positive that the chairman was on the phone at that time and um, wasn't too happy. So I think that that's when it kind of dropped as well. Like, look, we we need to be serious about this. Um, and then obviously we followed up with Alwa in the cup. Am I right in saying that? Um, we would beat them and then with Alwa the first home game we beat them 1-0 Marcus Fraser scored late on yeah. um, and then we went on to Dunfermline Dunfermline started that group stage flying 
and that was that we only been that was the second game of the season Dunfermline and I remember the boys saying that if we beat Dunfermline tomorrow we'll win the league we'd never thought about Dundee United we said if we beat Dunfermline tomorrow we'll win the league we went there and beat them 3-1 and I think the confidence after that was just sky high um, speaking of that win at East End Park we've got a fan question here from Punky Chukster. Um what was your favourite goal you scored for County it must be tough to top the one at East End Park uh, like it, it was ridiculous to be honest one. Oh, it was. Uh, I don't I don't want, I just do you know something I just wish the the footage was a wee bit clearer. Yeah. Um I scored loads of good goals. I think loads of important goals, but I think I think he's probably right in terms of that goal then kicked me on in terms of my confidence, like my role that I was to then go on and play in in the team. So I think that goal uh, just gave me, like, honestly, I, I use the word ridiculous, it was a ridiculous strike. Like, that gave me the belief to go on and probably do what I'd done that season. Um, like I said, and we had said, and this is no word to lie, we had said, if we beat them firmly, we'll win the league. And that was only the second game of the season. Like, that's crazy to say, but yeah. we thought they were going to be the benchmark. We went down, we beat them 3-1, and obviously that goal that I'd scored, it kind of, uh-huh, it just kicked me on. So, it's probably going to be that one. Other fans will say say different, um, but uh, that's definitely, definitely. I mean, the the kind of list that I had speaking to a couple of people here was the one down at air, the volley to make one nil. The volley. Um, the I think it was the opening goal here against air up in Dingwall. That was another one as well. Um, uh-huh. Cali away in the two one game towards the end of the season, and I guess the Queen of the South one at home because of the. I guess the the match that was as well to kind of seal the title, finish everything off. They were the kind of they were the list of the ones that I had on there that kind of people had come to me with. Um, you spoke about having the, the squad. It was kind of it went through a right overhaul. Um, we had an, a mixture of players that some had stayed, such as uh, Michael Gardine, Marcus Fraser, and then there was players that came in, so likes of. Don Cowie, Keith Watson, and then mixed in with youth, Jamie Lindsay had been there the season previously and he signed permanently. Um, Ross Stewart, Tom Gravosti. You know, when we speak about successful sides, you know, having a good mixture of characters, both young players looking to kick on and players that have been there, done it before, whether it be older players or, you know, likes of yourself who has achieved promotion and back-to-back seasons with Livingston. How important was that mix going through the tough spells in the season as well to, you know, keep everything calm, to keep everything on track. You know, there's a couple of back-to-back defeats, I think, you know, one in January and then I think one in about March um, when it was, I think, at Dundee United and then the following Saturday was away to Alloa just to kind of keep everyone's heads calm, you know, focus on the target and, you know, make sure it was achieved. Uh, Like you say, I think we had about everything in the squad, like the boys we had were, unbelievable like I speak about the Holland situation like we went away and you'd feel like everybody known each other for years um, and then like you say we're signing boys like like Don Kerry who has played at the, the highest level um, so I think we had a bit of I even say that to the boys now at air like that Ross County team could go and play football but if we had to mix it up we could go and mix it up I remember I think we were away to Partick Thistle and we were 2-0 down at half time and I think we won 4-2 is that right like 
So just wee things like that, we knew when we had to mix it up, um, we could go and do that. And then I think I'm right in saying we were maybe like nine points clear at Dundee United and we had cup games and Dundee United had cut the gap and we went away at the end of the Tuesday night and they'd scored with a deflection, I think it was, in the first half. And then they, they hung on the full game and got a 1-0 win. And I think we played, we maybe played the Ironbrook Cup final after that game. Um, was it after that? There, there was a gap anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and then I remember we had, we obviously had our games in hand to play. Um, and then when you talk about young boys, I remember we played them Dunfermline on the Tuesday night. Grievo, I took the corner, Grievo had scored the head that we beat them 1-0. And I think that was the real turning point where we thought, right, we've, we've got this here. Um, like you say, that's a young boy popping up with the, the winner of the game. So we definitely had everything in that squad, but what we did have, we had we had real talent um, in all areas. I, one of the fan questions I've got here is from Rory McDonald. Who was your best mate when you were up at County? Did you have like a flatmate that you were sharing with? Or? Uh, so my, my first season, that championship season, um, I had shared with Sean Kelly. So I was really good mates with Sean's brother Liam okay. so when I went up there Liam was saying I remember when I drove back down I drove back down the A9 that night and I was sitting with the chairman so I hadn't eaten all day I was like I think I had a bowl of soup and my agent was eating a, ch- um, a fish and chips and the chairman the can't remember what the chairman was eating so I had a bowl of soup so I was starving so I went and met Liam straight away I think we went and sat in Burger King or something like that his bit um, and he's like look share with Sean like if you sign so I was like, well, that would make it easier because I always said no Sunday. So I shared with Sean, but me and Sean always had that kind of relationship because I knew him. But when I'd up there, um, me and Jamie Wednesday like clicked straight away and then Don Don Kerry came. Like, like I was mates with everybody. Like if you were to ask Nets and Fergie, like one minute I could be speaking to Don Kerry, who was 34, and then I could be speaking to Grievo, who was like 17. Like I get on with anybody, but I think up there it was definitely there was there was a there was a free and it was me Jamie Lindsay and, and Don Kelly. Uh-huh. Speaking of Jamie Lindsay, um, Friday the fifth of April twenty nineteen was the night that Jamie Lindsay essentially won the league with the equaliser in the ninety fourth minute against Dundee United. As a county fan, I've never experienced anything like that in Dingwall before. Where <clears throat> you know it was a really tough game. You spoke about the United game. You know, just previously, they'd scored early on. They'd kind of held on. You know, I almost thought it was just going to be a repeat again. They were going to cut the gap and all this kind of, you know, game management from United. To then score in the 94th minute was just bedlam. Everyone was hugging each other in the stand. It, it just, it felt like that was the moment. And, you you know, you talk about season-defining moments. I think everyone would kind of pinpoint that. How did it feel when you were on the pitch to kind of see that moment kind of play out, to happen, to then... You know the aftermath of it. Did you guys know in the changing room? You know, right, this is it. We're we're on it now. Uh, definitely. Um, I think it was it was massive. Like I still look at the picture now, obviously, and even like the subs and that are up here, like yeah. fans, and always talk about. It. I spoke about the fans and that. Like the stadium was always full for us on a match day, and you can see that at that game. But I think, like you said, that would have just been a massive high for us, and it kind of not burst Dundee United's bubble, but it was, they were probably thinking like they were a couple of seconds away from, from kind of closing the gap and stuff. And, and then Jamie goes and pops up with, with the equaliser in the 94th minute. But I remember me and Jamie actually drove down the road that night straight after the game. Okay. And uh, like, 
I think we just laughed most of the way. Like, I don't even think we, we spoke. Like, Jamie just kept laughing because I was just getting pictures and, and tweets and that up for obviously the county fans and everywhere in stitches. Like, uh, unbelievable. But I think looking back, that was probably one of the biggest moments I had, definitely. Yeah, I, you said it there. Like, all the subs were then crowded around Jamie and the kind of you guys were almost in the kind of crowd as well. And, and yeah, it was just, it was kind of, it felt like a really significant moment. Um, and it wasn't just a successful season in the league. Um, the Challenge Cup victory as well with a 3-1 win over Connorsky Nomads uh, through an Inverness. Um, you started on the bench that day, came on after 66 minutes at 1-0 down. Um, and in those 24 minutes, you got man of the match because you grabbed two goals and helped us win the, the Cup 3-1, I guess. How did you feel when you were watching the game from the sideline? Did you feel like... From the from the stand, it felt like it wasn't a game that we were going to lose, even when we were one 0 down, and it just it just needed a spark of something because I thought we were kind of really putting them under pressure. It was just kind of needing that break of the ball, something to go in, and then it felt like it was only going to be going to end one way. Um, so coming on in a cup final, you know, you'd had a successful season. Do you think that then the experiences you had helped you kick on, make that impact in the final? Uh, definitely, obviously, I think I remember at the time, like, I hadn't played in the Ivory Cup final. I think you'll yeah. remember the gaffers always changed it. And, yeah. like, I was doing so well in the league, so I was being rested and I had to take that as a positive. But I remember when the final came and I was like, the gaffers are going to play me and they never. And I was like, ah. So I was sitting and I was like, do you know what? Like, I knew that day I was going to play my part at, at some point. So I don't mean... I was glad to come on at one now, uh, one now. Sorry, but when I look back now, like it's it couldn't have worked out any better for a personal point of view. Um, obviously, like say, came on and I got the kind of break with the the ball going through the the keeper's legs um, for the first goal, and then after that, like we were in so much control. Yeah. Uh, we, we still had a strong team out that day, and Midge Midge was good that day. Um, Midge was good that day. He was picking up a lot of the ball and getting in a lot of areas and. I knew if I got on and get the chances and picked up the right areas, would find me. Um, and then the second goal, I think he gets filled and he goes down. Yeah, and I, I was closest to him. Yeah. I was closest to him. And I remember I just picked up the ball and played a through pass. And Couches also took it in and I just ran off him and scored to make it 2-1. And uh -huh, I was delighted, but I've still got my, my one regret for that day. Um, uh -huh. I've not scored a career hat-trick yet. And I remember I'd scored two and I seen the keeper off his line. And I thought the game was nearly done and I was like, I'm not going for it, I'll just keep the ball. And I always say, I always say to Jamie Lindsay till now, like, I should have hit that. Like, I should have went for that and went for the hat-trick. But uh, it was it was a great day. No, totally. That's quite interesting, actually. I, I, I don't remember that moment, but um, that season overall, obviously it's ended in success for the team as well. And you personally, you know, across 41 matches you played that season, you scored 14 goals and got 20 assists. Your your best season in professional football, I guess. What was it during that season that worked so well for you to, you know, go out and thrive in that team to put in those kind of numbers and performances? I think it was just about everything. I think it was just the environment, the place. Like I, I don't shy away from. It. Like I absolutely loved the Highlands. Eh? Like I, I always say, I think if COVID never happened, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have left Ross County. Um, I was actually due to sign a new contract. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but I was due to sign another extension. Um, we'd played Rangers was the last game. 
mm-hmm. I played, I got, they obviously beat us 1-0, they scored like on, I get man of the match that game and I remember I was, um, the chairman and the manager and stuff were speaking about signing a new contract again. Um, so I always said never left. I think it's about everything, but you talk about numbers, like obviously I just get injured there for seven and a half weeks and yeah. one ten goals an hour. I remember Fergie messaged me at Christmas time and I said to him, like, I'll beat my record at Ross County. <laughs> and he said to me, he's like, Josh, he said, I hope you do. That had been on the goal front, but in terms of the assists, like it was easy for me because I had Ross Stewart and Brian Graham in the box, Billy McKay, like for anywhere I could put in a ball and I knew uh, Brian Graham or Ross Stewart were going to attack it. But I knew if I'd put it blown hard anywhere, Billy McKay would be there. Even like in the Premier League, we played St Johnston, we equalised yeah. in like the 94th minute or something it was as well, across the front post and, and Billy McKay's there. So in terms of that, it was easy to get those kind of numbers on the assists, but in terms of goals, it was just the full... I think everything suited me so well up there. And like I said, it, it changed me as a person as well. Like, just up there and adapted to life and absolutely loved it. Like, always get asked, did I come down the road much if we'd time off? And, like, to be honest, I never ate. Like, if we had two days off of that, I would stay up there rather than travel down. Like, I loved it. So I think I just felt, I felt good. I felt confident. I felt at home. Um, and it's an unbelievable place. I say that to anybody that that's maybe not thinking about going but if ask about it or um, stuff like that uh-huh. so everything just everything just seemed to work How did it feel to play in the top flight after the kind of journey you'd been on you know coming from the juniors through League 2 through League 1 through the championship to then go and play in the top flight must have been you know a really good feeling uh, It was it was excellent um, I remember the first game of the season it was against Hamilton we beat them 3-0 is that right? Yeah Beat them 3 0. Um, had got an assist, so I'd started. I think that the group stage as well, I'd scored against Mon- I actually forgot about that goal. I'd scored against Montrose and it went in the top corner. And I remember I came off and Fergie said to me, Are you just picking up for where you left? And I was like, so I still felt good. I, I, all the momentum, everything was going, like everything was going for me. And then we played the first league game against Hamilton. We beat them 3 0 and I'd got the assist. And, it was just another massive high. Like I said, I'd played in the top flight. I'd got an assist. So can I tell myself, look, look I can still do it in this league. And Don Kiwi, um that night, me and Don had actually went out. Um, what's the festival up there again? Uh, uh, Belladrum. Was it Belladrum? I think Lewis Capaldi was playing. And we weren't the meant to go and some of the boys were going. And we'd won and Don's like, do you want to go? And I was like, like I was on a massive high. I was like, uh-huh, let's go. Like That's it. So... Um, uh, unbelievable feeling. No, totally. I can understand, especially the the journey you'd been on was, you know, to come from, you know, going through the juniors. You know, you spoke about, you know, the coming out of the elite academies, going into the juniors, coming up through the leagues. You know, it makes every decision worthwhile because you managed to achieve that. Um, obviously that season in the top flight ended early. Due to the pandemic, you spoke about it there. You know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, you probably would have still been at County. You know, uh-huh. talk, talk to us about what it was like then as a player at that time when, you know, there was uncertainty obviously for everyone in the world. But you know, in football terms, you know, finishing early, then coming back in the summer. I think County and Celtic were the first two teams to come back. Go back, yeah, yeah. I am, um, you know, training socially distanced. You know, living in bubbles. You know, living away from partners potentially. You know, you spoke about that you know, some of the boys would be able to go back down the road to spend time with their families. They might not have been able to do that. Reagan Charles Cook spoke, 
you know, quite a lot about it that that first season he really struggled to adapt because of the, you know, you would just go to training and then go home, you know. So I guess talk to us from the the player perspective of that. Uh, so, like I said, I had um, I had loved everyone up there and I was in talks of um, signing a new contract and stuff and uh, the chairman had contacted me um, kind of through lockdown and stuff. But Marcus Fraser and that was still up there as well. And obviously I'd stayed right next door to Marcus. Um, he was... One, I was actually on the phone to Marcus today. Uh-huh. I was on the phone. I totally forgot about that. I was on the phone because we were speaking about Jamie's wedding and stuff. Um, so Marcus is also another one of my my best mates from that time. Me and Marcus clicked straight away again. He was an unbelievable captain, unbelievable player. He's also still doing great at months. So we were out running um, every day. I'd actually just met my partner not long before that. So. Um, because I had my own place up there, we decided to go up there and stay for lockdown. And I think everybody thought lockdown was only going to be for three weeks and it ended up like several months. So um, I think just by the time I had went back to training and it was getting into training, all the protocols were in and stuff still wasn't opened. And I remember the first game with no fans and I was like, just something something didn't feel right at all. Way and... I'd honestly, I'd stayed and stuck to it. Like, hadn't, the only person I was seeing through lockdown was my partner, Marcus and Nicole, um, his partner. So that's the only people I've seen. And then I remember I went down the road for the first time and I was like, uh, it was, I don't mean I was dreading driving back up to Inverness, but it was just something that wasn't the same. Eh? And yeah. when I think now, like, it's, it's pretty frustrating because if maybe if we went back and the fans were there or, or whatever it had been, it would have been a totally different story. Um, but it just, it changed things massively. I don't think that was just for me. I think if you were to ask most of the boys, eh? Um, because there is, there's loads to do in Inverness, but I think when nothing's opened, like, it feels like there's no if that makes sense. So that was probably the turning point for me, which is, is pretty frustrating because, like I said, if COVID and stuff had never happened, then who knows what would have happened. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, the the decision to leave County came about. Um, a question we've got from Craig Lewis was, you know, why did you decide to move on from County? You know, we've spoken about the pandemic there. Was that then kind of coming back up to Inverness, things not kind of feeling the same? Um, was that kind of a big factor in deciding to kind of move on? Uh, that was that was honestly the, the only factor it was in terms of, like I said, I'd I committed to to staying up there. Um, so I was up there, hadn't seen my family in, in months. I was up there with just me and my partner. Um, had thought lockdown was going to end a lot sooner. So in hindsight, either if maybe if I'd come back down the road and spent at home through lockdown, it might have been different by the time I went back. But I just think it was, and I don't know any like sob stories that, it was just, we were just isolated up there in, time, in terms of the time I went back to football. It just it never... It never felt the same. Um, I remember when obviously I was speaking about leaving and Kets and Ferg couldn't really believe it. And I didn't really believe it. I was saying it myself, to be honest, like because I felt like I was letting them down, if that makes sense. But it was just, I was I was kind of lying to myself at, at that point. And um, like I said, I don't think I was the, the only one at that point in time where it, I think I just needed kind of back down the road, kind of, uh-huh, close to family and stuff and listen it was a pandemic it was hard for a lot of people and I'm just another one of them 
No, I totally understand that. You know, I think um, especially when you know players move up here because they are far away from their families in normal circumstances at least then they're kind of able to mix and uh-huh. they've still kind of got that you know team and family environment as such whereas then during the pandemic when you lose that you know as you said you're kind of so isolated you're so far away from everyone that in your family down in the central belt but also you know your teammates you know regardless if like Marcus and his partners next door everyone else is you know you've you know, following the protocols. So uh-huh. that's obviously a big, a big impact on it. Um, so when you left County, you then moved back to, to Livingston. Um, was that quite a, was there a few clubs in for you at that time? And when you heard Livy were one of them, was that kind of the easy decision because of what you achieved prior to your move to County? Well, so it's a weird one. I will say this because I was still under contract for a year, so not many teams knew that I was leaving, if that makes sense. Um, and then I remember when it got announced, um, David phoned me kind of straight away because there had been rumours, and I think David spoke to Kets and, and stuff like that. So I'd never kind of spoken, obviously, this, I'd never kind of spoken directly about going back to Livingston. Um, at the time, I remember when I was leaving and I had a conversation with Kets and I told him like, listen, like I'm, I don't. I gave up football before. I'm not saying I was going to give up football, but I was like, football's not at the forefront of my mind right now. Like, that's just the way it is. So I remember when I left, and this was kind of going on for a while, and and then the Friday when I actually kind of got agreed, uh, I had left, and David had called me on the Saturday. I think it was, and he's like, look, come and see me, come and get a chat. I'm over on the Sunday and met him. Um, for a coffee over it's Sunday or Monday it was um, I think maybe the Sunday at the stadium and he's like look he says we would love to have you back like showed me kind of everything they'd done at the stadium all that kind of stuff and to be fair I've even just been down the road and staying with my family for a couple of nights I was like I felt settled again if that makes sense so I was like right what's the worst that can happen and we just kind of spoke about contract and stuff and he's like Josh it's totally up to you whatever you think so um, he'd offered me a contract and then we'd spoken I'd said well what about a year contract with my option and he's like if that's what you're comfortable with I'm happy with that and that was it really um, I think I'd signed on the Sunday and made my second debut on the Tuesday in the Betfred Cup You spent a, a good season there you made a lot of appearances um, the following season you then um, spent it on loan at Hamilton with Stuart Taylor who spent um, a brief amount of time up here in the coaching staff before getting the job down there. Um, how was your time there? Because you you spoke about prior to your move to Livingston, there was interest then from Hamilton to then kind of go there. Did you feel like, okay, I'm potentially finally here after the years that they've been chasing me, but also that was another team that had just come down from the Premiership. So did you think you could take your experience in there to help these the young group of players that, are there still at this time to kind of help them kick on, develop and potentially kind of push for a playoff pay- place or even back up into the Premiership? Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think, um, like you went back to Livingston, I think I played nearly every game. Um, we got a top six, in it, top six finish. We got, uh, we got to the cup final. So I'd played cup final hand in. I'd played nearly every game. So I think I was a wee bit surprised when I went back and I'd missed the pre-season trip because my son was just born um, so 
I felt after the trip, it just wasn't going to work out for whatever reason, which again, I was everybody, I think everybody was surprised at because like I said, I've played nearly every game um, since I'd went back. So it was one of these things. And then there was a few teams kind of interested. And I think Davies were looking at it was if I was going on loan, it was going to be at the championship. I'd just got the keys to my new house, which was in Motherwell, which is five minutes over from Hamilton. One of my mates was there, Kieran McDonald, and I spoke to him and he's like, Josh, like, you're suited to us, like, come to us, come to us. Um, so that's what I did. I ended up, I, I went to Hamilton, I made the decision to go and, to go and loan to Hamilton. You spent a year there, and then um, this season, you initially joined Air on loan for the first half of the season before signing permanently with them in January. And it's been a really successful season for you guys as well, um, finishing second in the league. And now with the Premiership playoff semi-final against Park coming up in a few days, but both legs kind of over the next week. Um, nine goals, four assists so far. You know, you've clearly really enjoyed your time at Air and, you know, grabbed a really, really important goal and played your part in their final league game of the season to kind of secure that playoff spot. Because at one point it looked like both yourself and Cali Thistle were going to miss out on the playoff spot with it at 1-1. You know, then all of a sudden when you grab a you know you guys grab a late winner you then jump from what was it fifth to second uh-huh. um i mean it was a pretty roller coaster season for you yeah definitely i think again i went back to livingston um at the start of the season and i felt good and i spoke to davy and i was like look i can i probably jump the gun and davy's kind of said all this i jumped the gun going alone i should maybe waited and davy's like look josh i'm fine with that like i accept what you're saying and we kind of shook hands and, and that was it. So through pre-season, I was scoring, started the first Betfred Cup game, had scored, um, and I thought, uh-huh, like, that's me, I'm kind of back to stay. And listen, it's football, just for whatever reason, sometimes people take a different route and I'll never say a bad word about anybody or about Livingston. Like, it's football, like, it's a man's game, that's what happens. So um, I'd made the decision to then go on loan to air. Uh, uh-huh, and now I'm, I'm sitting with double figures again in goals. Uh, got to, like I said to Ferg, I was like, I'll beat that record. And he's like, Josh, I hope you do. So again, that's somewhere that's I can't speak highly enough in terms of the fans and the club and welcoming men. And again, I think you can see that in my performances, eh? And goals and assists, like you said, and uh-huh, loving every minute of it. We've, we've ended on a high, and obviously, when I'd get injured the boy had kind of put a hole in my foot and fractured my second metatarsal and that was against Inverness. So to get back for the last game of the season and, and score was, uh-huh, was was right up there. Was sweet, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, how did it feel then, you know, during that spell you were on the sidelines, you know, in a really important point in the season, you know, you guys had your um, Scottish Cup quarterfinal and during that time, you know, trying to push towards, you know, potentially winning the league because it was so tight and amongst those teams that were in the playoff and and also uh, kind of at the top of the league there. Um, you know, how did it feel then? You've had a really successful season. You're itching to get back. You've picked up this injury. You're, you know, potentially not sure how long it, it might kind of cost you. It could be your season when it's like a sort of a metatarsal and things. Um, so, you know, you spoke about there coming back was really sweet. But talk about your role, I guess, off the pitch during that time. Yeah, I think um, it it was hard, definitely, because I remember, I'll be honest in saying it, when it happened, I thought my partner and my partner's mum and dad met me at my car. Um, 
and my missus dad drove me back to the house. They drove me straight to the hospital in Maca. And I remember I, he was just talking away and he's like, oh, positive. And I knew I had done something like, I knew straight away, like, the, I could, obviously I could see the hole in my foot, but I, I couldn't put weight in it. And I was, I've had bangs before and I was like, I've done something. So I'd went to the hospital and came out and she told me and she's like, season done, basically, like, that's it. And I remember in the car, my missus was phoning me and I was like, I can't answer because I'll start crying. Like, I'll just say it how it is. Um, and I remember I walked in the door on Saturday night about half ten after the game and it was me and my missus dad that came in and my missus was like I've been trying to phone you like what's happening like and I just couldn't speak I was like look just give me a minute I went to the toilet burst out crying like I was like season's done she's like look relax like it'll be fine and then I remember like the next that night actually sorry my partner's brother-in-law messaged me and he's like look it could be a lot worse like touch wood it could have been a leg break it could have been anything I was like do you know what like he's right so um, the next day I kind of just digested it and that was it but I was always determined that I was going to get back before the end of the season just in terms of the way my foot was starting to feel but when it felt good the next day it could have been feeling terrible I, I, I couldn't walk around for weeks and it swelled up and I, was, I couldn't even get a shoe on uh, but I was still determined I was going to get back um, so that was probably the hardest part in terms of not knowing was I going to make it back before I'd played my last game for Ern. It was at that point again where I felt like I was going to break my Ross County record in terms of best goals. Um, so all these things are kind of playing in your mind. Um, but I remember just being in every day, still going to every away game. We went to Dundee on a Tuesday night, still went up there. And it was, like, again, just playing my part in terms of being in and around the boys. Like some people might have, people work differently, but I just felt in terms of being round about it, still feeling involved was the best way that I could have probably dealt with it at that time. Um and then I came back and I trained two days and the manager put me in and said, two games left, we need to win them. I'm going to play on Saturday. And then he said, well, I've got a decision to make. And I was like, that's fine. And I told the boys and the boys are like, you're lying. You've been out seven and a half weeks. Like, you've no been on, you've been on a training pitch two days. And I said, boys, like, so I like a laugh and a joke. Like, I just tell lies all the time. Like, in terms of like, oh, by the way, it's, we're getting this and like, this is for lunch today. And, don't say that. Um, so they're like, you're lying. I was like, I'm telling I remember going into training on the train Tuesday, Thursday, went into training the Friday and the boys were looking at me and I was like, my legs are bits, I can't move. And the gap named the team and I was starting and the boys are like, can't believe that. So I started against Rafe Rovers and I was obviously just delighted to get back. We'd went one, one nil up and the manager took me off at like 70 something minutes and I remember being like, what are you doing? Like, I feel fine. And he's like, you've been out for seven and a half weeks. Like, sit down, like, get off, eh? So, um, uh, just, I was delighted just to be back. Um, the goal in the final day of the season, we've got a fan's question from Peter Mackay um, asking, what was your favourite goal you scored against Inverness? Obviously, you scored a couple of goals <coughs> up here for County in the Highland Derbies. Was that one for air potentially the sweetest because of what it meant for your season? And also, you know, you spoke about you picked up the injury against... Inverness, so then to come back and, and make an impact there at the final day of the season. Uh, I think that definitely that's probably that probably sums up just because it meant we finished second, we got to the playoffs. Um, the abuse that I took that night was honestly it was incredible. Like, I'm all for a laugh and a joke, even after it in the bus on the way down. But some of the messages I got was honestly like if I told you it was ridiculous. So 
I'm not even going to apologise for saying it. I have, like, I scored. We made the playoffs. They never. That's it. Like, simple as that. That's been the, the sweetest I have. Totally. No, that's fair enough. Um, we've got another few kind of fan questions here just to go through um, that we haven't already covered. Um, one from James McLaren. Um, what's it like scoring a goal? You know, you've obviously, you're obviously a winger that has got good goal returns, done well at county. You know, talk us through that. Do you feel like a, a an emotion as a football player when you do something like that? Uh, I think I used to be I used to be big on assists. Like my assist return was always a lot higher than my goals. Now it's probably it probably even did sell out, but like this season my goal return has been better than my assists. So I think now it's just kinda learning and adapting kind of the areas that I need to be in to score goals but once you start scoring like you don't want to stop it's as simple as that so I know some people still think an assist is better than a goal but nah I love scoring goals now it's just the way it is um, Right so we've just got the last little segment here is called T-Bar Talk it's just our kind of quick fire questions um, we always start off with this one if you were to host a come down with me night um, you would have three guests and to cook them a starter main and a dessert and your evening entertainment what would it be? So starting off with your three guests. Oh, David Beckham would be one. Okay. Um, Josh Mourinho. And who would my third be? I've never thought of that. So I just thought about David Beckham. Yeah, fair enough. Obsessed with David Beckham. Um, wow. Drake. Fair enough. Um, what would you cook them? So, um, what would you make there as a starter? Uh, uh, question is as well: Are you a good cook, or is it just going to be kind of like a basic sort of nah, I'm not. I'm not the best to be honest. I'd probably make. <clears throat> oh, I'd probably make. Um, Beckham some prawns or something to start. I think you like some garlic prawns. Okay. I'm hoping they like some garlic prawns. Um, I'll go. I've been making a good steak recently, so I'll go steak for Mourinho. Okay. Good guy. Um, and I'll go. Uh, wow. Some sort of cheesecake for Drake. There you go. Each of the three guests can event. Happy there, and what terrible, you... terrible three choices. Hey, <laughs> you put me on the spot. No, totally. And what would the evening entertainment be? Would it be something <clears> you'd be doing, or you know, have you got a talent or a hobby that you do outside of football that people don't know about? Nah, I'd just be sitting quizzing them all night. To be honest, <laughs> I'd probably just sit and ask them questions. I right? that would be it. Just sit <laughs> where you the pad. Roles yeah. reverse with us, you know. Just tell, doing something like that. That's fair enough. Um, any nicknames? Mine? Yeah. Mosey. Yeah. One that's King Mosey. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, nah, Mosey. Do you know something? Mosey actually started from Ross County. Was it? Ross County, uh-huh. Um, and then, obviously, Marcus Fraser. Then, uh-huh. Marcus Fraser, Jay Lindsay, and that started it, and it just it stuck. So, Mosey. It's followed you everywhere now. Um, best player you played with? Best player I played with? I'm going to go and I'll say, I'll say, don't care. Honestly, like, I remember when Don made the change. Um, 
before he had made the decision, I remember speaking to him about it because it was locked down. So he probably never had much, obviously, speaking to him. I remember speaking about it, and Don could have played, kept playing easily. Easily. I think you'd seen that when Don was out for a period of time and he came back, and I think it was Parkhead, maybe his first game, and obviously we should have been 3 0 up in the first half, and it just they made a massive difference to our team, and um, everything they'd done, like the, the best professional I've ever played with in my career. Uh, best player you've played against? Best player I've played against. Just going probably direct opponent, and I'd probably need to say probably Tierney. Fair enough. Probably Tierney, Tierney uh -huh. Just for I think at that time, obviously when we were playing them, he was coming to the end of his Celtic career. And, Everything they'd done was just, uh -huh. he'd done it wholeheartedly, didn't he? So he's probably been the toughest I've played against. Fair enough. Um, what's your go-to initiation song? Wonderwall. Fair enough, good choice. Oh, I'll need to read the lyrics as well. <laughs> uh, what's the best initiation you've heard? The best I've heard is probably Liam Fontaine. Okay. Um, big man had the guitar on that out. Uh -huh. He's <laughs> definitely... Fair enough. Um, what's the worst you've heard? The worst I've heard was recently I heard the boy Brad Young came on loan, young boy from Aston Villa. Okay. I remember we stayed, we played Inverness actually, we were in the hotel, um, so this would have been, that would have been Jan January time maybe, just before, yeah. age four Christmas, and I remember he was like, oh, like, I had to sing that night as well, and he's like, fuck it is what it is, and blah, blah, and I was like, He's chilling here, like he's he's got a bit like he'll be sound and I went first and he went he was actually last, it was three as I think. Um he me boy Logan Chalmers and Brad yeah. and he went up and he just fumbled like and I was like, This isn't the same guy that's been talking about it for like half hour, eh? So uh -huh. Brad Young. Fair enough. Um what's your favourite T V show? Favourite T V show is probably Entourage. Enough. On trash. Um, favorite film or film series? Favorite film. Wow. Is that many in there? I know. I know. You, uh, that's why you can choose a film series if there is like I don't know. For example, like Star Wars, you can't pick one. You can, uh -huh. you can just pick the series or that. Well, because I love Christmas, Home Alone. Fair enough. That's a classic, isn't it? Come Home Alone. I can't do that. Just wait. Just patiently waiting for November time every year. Uh, what's a, a TV or film quote that you've used the most during your life? <laughs> Broadway Home Alone. When it <laughs> when it says snakes, I don't know of snakes. <laughs> um, uh -huh. Definitely something for Home Alone anyway. Uh -huh. Fair enough. Um, what's your favourite holiday destination? Mm, Portugal or Dubai. Fair enough. Um, What's one thing you wish you enjoyed more? Enjoyed more? Cooking. Fair enough. I mean, I don't mind it, but I wish like I enjoyed it and was like, right, tonight's the night, like, let's go. Practice your prawn cocktails, your steaks. <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just standard day. Like, there's probably so much more I could do in my prawns, but uh -huh. I'll say cooking. Fair enough. Um, biggest character you've played with? 
biggest character probably Ian Vigers. Great guy. Oh, great guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm fine. No, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm forgetting Michael Gardine. Wow. What? To be fair, I thought that was the answer you were going to give. So it was wow. interesting you went with Vikes instead. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, I, I think it's maybe because I was because I'd been speaking to Vikes last week. Obviously, in terms of the COVID and stuff, um, he just popped into my head straight away because he was constantly every day. But Midge was Midge is a different level. So I'll get I'll give it the two of them, the two of them up there. Yeah, fair enough. Joint award and. Um, Finally, um, what's one word your teammates or colleagues would say to describe you? Wow, money. <laughs> Honestly, so money. Like, so money. In a good way, though. Yeah. In a good way, but uh-huh. Gaffer at Air says it every day of the now. Like, he says, I know there'll be boys that are going to moan. Josh says, that's fine, don't mind it. But listen, when I say moan, like, I've had numerous conversations. Ketz was, Joe Ketz and Don Kerry was the first to pick up on it and said, when I'm moaning, that's when I'm at my best. When they don't hear me, like they say, like it's a different kind of session. Like, so I realised I need to moan and be kind of moaning and noisy and stuff to uh get me going. Yeah, get your head in the zone. Well, fair enough. Well, that's everything covered, Josh. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. And no, it was great, mate. Thank you for having me. Right, so that was our chat with Josh Mullen back at the end of last season, and I thought it was an appropriate time to use it this week, just since two of his former sides are coming up against each other, where Josh spent great years at both Ross County and Livingston. So let's get back into the rest of the podcast and some of the other news going on at the club. Now, Stephen and I recorded the first part of the podcast on Monday and we did a bit of a preview for the North of Scotland Cup match against Golspie on Wednesday night. But as the podcast is getting released on Thursday, I've edited that out and just doing a quick uh, review of the match. So as many people have seen, County managed to win that match 3-0 against Golspie Sutherland at King George Park in Golspie. Thanks to goals from Alex Samuel, Scott High and Jay Henderson. So they've booked their place in the next round of the North of Scotland Cup and they are due to face Barora Rangers. So congrats to the guys there. It looks like a few of the first teamers got a good run out as well, such as Alex Samuel, Ben Pannington, Scott High, Jay Henderson, Adam McKinnon. So good to see that there's players getting minutes and keeping their match fitness up as well in case any injuries come about or we're needing different options off the bench. So it's always great to see some of these players involved out of the first team as well and they're, they're keeping up their match fitness and sharpness and confidence as well we've spoken about Simon Murray before about his confidence as a striker scoring goals and it's the same for Alex Samuel as well he managed to get a hat-trick in the last round he scored again on on Wednesday night and and yeah so congratulations to them and on to the next round so we'll just jump into some of the listeners answers from some of our questions from last week now getting on to the some of the answers from the question we asked last week with regards to you know if you were in charge of Ross County how would you spend the money that's the club have earned from Ross Stewart's move to Southampton so first of all Stewart answered uh, as follows bank it and wait till January comes to see if we need to spend on a new player or use it to tie down some of the current players on longer contracts Callum Walker replied, reinvest it into the playing squad and really make a top six push this year. 
Michael replied, tie down our three most bankable assets in Jan, Victor and George Harmon down to longer contracts and reinvest the, the rest into the club, be it youth or senior squad, etc. And Stuart Ferns replied, quite an interesting one here. Blue Sky thinking here, but I'd love to see them put their money into developing the club into, into a club that follows the European sports club model, like a lot of clubs on the continent, for example, Barcelona, etc. And one other response we had was from... Dean Ross, who answered as following, as for the Ross Stewart money and where it should be invested, I don't think the club will see a lot of it, but after all the debts are cleared, I'd like to see some investment back into a reserve slash under-20s team. There's a number of reasons why, but the main reason for me would be to give the players who aren't getting minutes in the first team playing time and have them sharper for more readily available for use if required. The North of Scotland Cup game versus Wick is a prime example. So that's a yeah. perfect follow-on from what we've just spoken about there with the trip to to face Galsby Sutherland. So so a couple more answers have come into the question from last week since we recorded the first part of the podcast on Monday night. So Gary McDonald replied, the Ross Stewart money I'd use to pay off the club's debt and then what's left I'd use to renovate the J-Land, which is a very reasonable answer. We spoke about that last week too. And another answer came in from Andy. He said he would buy a digital advertising board to sit in front of the main stand so us in the East Stand can see the time, etc. similar to the one that's on on their stand uh, in front of these stands so yeah interesting points yeah um thank you to everyone who answered those questions there and this week's question is a bit of an entertaining entertaining one what is your funniest ross county memory Stephen? we'll, we'll <laughs> let you start uh there's so many to pick them from over the years i said i followed the club now uh, for about 40 years so as you as you go over, you know, different things happening that and stuff. And a lot of time it's more like sort of stuff you see as fun interaction. I think yeah. it's quite often really funny. So we're so chatting a shout, over, a shout from the crowd behind you or something like that. Just yeah, it can be it can, yeah. be it can be really well one of the ones I've seen to you before that we went on and record was that um I mentioned the the game a couple of uh episodes ago and it was in relation to the, the qualifying cup final so we were playing Huntley at Barra Briggs um, and it was a big game, massive game um, and the segregation was just a, a metal fence between the sets of supporters at Barra Briggs and um, it, to say it was partisan in those days in the Highland League it was a really good atmospheres and you're close to the pitch and uh, Huntley were a proper side. I think I can't remember if they won the, the league the season before, but they were up there challenging all the time. And I think that was the season they potentially went on and, and, and won it um, under Stevie Patterson. And he, his sides were very physical and robust. Don't get me wrong, County had a few boys that could mix it as well. But kind of were known more as a, a footballing side to get the ball down and play forward under Bobby Wilson. Um, with uh, Huntley sides, they had a real blend, but they, they could, oof, you know, they were physical and Probably the, the biggest antagonist of that was uh, Doug Rugby, who'd been at Aberdeen and Chelsea and, and a, a few other clubs before settling there at Huntley. And he was a monster of a man and had a reputation that, you know, he, you just didn't mess with Big Doug. Like. So I think it was maybe about 15 seconds into the game right in front of the county fans. He's just came thundering in and taking a county player out, absolutely smashing, of course, County fans are giving it plenty of that. And this is back in the day where you could really put a tackle on someone in the first 15 minutes to, you know, or 15 seconds to to uh, lay a marker down just to let them know you were in the game. But from the back of the stand, someone shouted, obviously knowing his reputation, 
come on, refs, get a grip of that. He's been at it the whole game. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just remember that one thinking it's only 15 seconds in and he's, you know, someone's saying, because obviously in rugby they knew what he was like, you know, giving it pelters about he's been at it the whole game. Um, and that was, that was him in a nutshell. Um, just the funny things as well that you, you look back on in games. I remember qualifying, or no, Scottish, it was a challenge cap, semi-final. We played back-to-back games against Morton. And there was already a bit of pressure building on Davy Irons at Morton anyway. And we'd beaten quite comfortably in the league game before. And then we had the semi-final, the challenge cap. And we went 2-0 up pretty quick. I think Dyron Dahl got a goal early on. or maybe got well, a couple that's of a, goals. That's a throwback and a half. Yeah, yeah. But there'd been, there was quite a few Morton fans up on the semi-final. Um, but they were all in fancy dress and stuff. And pretty quickly, I think County ended up winning either 4-0 or 4-1. But a lot of them had left pretty early on in the second half. Um, you could tell County were on top and it just wasn't going to be their day. So the County fans are trooping back after winning the game through the town. And you're just heading past the National. And just before you cross the road there, and there was the old um, sort of car park between the buildings and the church. You used to sneak through down to the Aldi... Uh, car park there and um, some of the Morton some of the Morton fans were still there well one was dressed as Banana Man and he was absolutely hooped he was like totally out of his face and just keeled over but one of them was dressed as Danger Mouse and he was going to fight with all the county fans so it was just really weird it's like everyone the county fans were just laughing at him they won the game so there was nothing to really fight over but he was wanting to everyone on. I thought, if you get arrested, you're going to spend a night in the cells dressed as Danger Mouse. And you know what I mean? What, you know, and I, so, yeah, I just remember that being really a, a, a funny situation. Or the other one I do remember was playing Queen of the South in Dingwall. And uh, Barry Wilson was playing for Queen of the South at the time. And there was a corner to count in the jail end. And county fans started singing the, the Charlie, I call it the Charlie Christie song. Um, but they changed it to Barry Wilson about uh, a male part of the body, but also a horse's backside. So the county fans are saying that about Barry. And I've looked at the front post where Stevie Tosh for Queen of the South is covering. And he's actually singing the song as well at the same time as the county fans. So I just remember thinking that was just totally bizarre and hilarious that that, that was going on. So, yeah, there's been a few really sort of funny moments. And it always seems to be based on something that was said or fun interaction itself. Like. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's two that, that spring to, to my mind in terms of one being at a game and one not being at a game. The the one being at the game was against Hibs in the first season in the, the top flight. So that was the SPL at the time. And it was a couple of days after Lee Griffiths was, was either arrested or had been done for, for shoplifting when he was, yeah. when he was at Hibs. And it was it was a midweek midweek game, and Griffiths was playing, and I think he missed a header at the back post or, or something like that, and and he, he's dived in for it, and he's kind of slid al- along the turf, and as he's gone to get up, you you just look a- along to the other end of the jail, and and there's who knows how many Tesco bags getting waved in his face because that's 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 where he'd been done for was that's that, right, Tesco, Tesco, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just the amount of bags that were getting waved in his face there. And you're just thinking <laughs> just laughing your head off at something like that. And yeah, just just daft daft stories. Just absolutely No, it'd be, it'd be good to hear from the, the the listeners of the podcast their sort of funny Ross County stories like fan interactions with players mm. and stuff like that. 
And um, yeah, just some humor. I even remember one of my good friends, we were playing Broader Rangers in the Highland League up there and the ball had went out for a corner and my mate tried to, thought he'd be smart. He went and ran and dropped the ball and thought, right, I'll volley it back to Billy Ferris at the corner. But what he misjudged is he misjudged that the barrier in front of him and he smacked the ball off the barrier and the ball shot out the stadium. And I mean, Billy Ferris and Stitch is laughing, just looking at him thinking, how can you do that? You had you could just roll it under the barrier, you could have thrown it over. Billy's just like, what are the chances of that happening? So I mean, Billy being in stitches and just, yeah, it was just uh, these sort of things that you just, yeah. you know, fun interaction. There's usually some, there'll be some brilliant stories of people saying things or stuff happening in that as well. Um, and it's great. Sometimes you get interaction with, with, with players at games and you can hear certain shouts and that and stuff that can be really funny, like Joanne. So yeah. now be, there's a, a few funny moments over the years at the games, but it'd be great to hear what the, the listeners have in their, their locker as far as these ones go. Absolutely. So just leave your answers in the same Spotify section as per normal or just reply to uh, one of our posts or our tweet uh, with regards to that. And one of the other interesting things that we asked was for the listeners to rate County start to the season out of 10. And the majority vote here have rated it 8 out of 10. So got one vote for 10, six votes for, for 9, 13 for, for 8, 3 for 7, and kind of scattered around the rest. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think people are on the kind of the same page in 8. Yeah. It's probably probably about fair and anything other than that in terms of taking points at the start of the season we've been in line so thank you to everyone that's uh, left their their answers for those and yeah that's that's us it's a nice short and quick podcast this week it's amazing when there's no dodgy decisions to go on referee's <laughs> corner about for a majority I've got nothing to criticise the rest for this week I'm sure next week we might be back at it like Joe in with the Aye. standard of refereeing at the moment and the uh, the issue with VAR and that and stuff, but they've had a reprieve for a week, so hopefully they're rested and um, switched on to the job that needs to be done, like doing on the, the game against Levy. Yeah, at, at the time of recording, as I said, it's Monday night. I don't think they've actually come out with the the allocations for who is coming to Dingwall on Saturday to, to referee yeah. the game, so we'll keep an eye out for that. So watch yourself, Cleland's referee in the <laughs> yeah. coming your way. You will be criticised come the, the following week. You will be criticised. I'm sure they're quaking in their boots to referees about my, my opinion on them, for sure. Definitely. Right, well, Stephen, thank you very much once again. Short but sweet, Ross. Short but sweet this week, but all good. Yes, but yeah, we'll be back next week to have a bit more of a normal episode, I would call it, talking about the, the Livingston match this coming Saturday and also looking ahead to the first of the doubleheader against Aberdeen. Mm-hmm.